We are on our tailor-made VIP line for the rapid tests. We've got pure VIP status. As you know, if you go to reginstonetest.com, <laughs> we'll be able to kind of, you know, you just have to buy the bottle package, you know what I'm saying? Only for $500. We'll move you to the front of the line. You get your own VIP testing closet on the side, you know what I'm saying? It's, you know, they'll come out there, give you bespoke, bespoke um, Benak, Benak test, I guess. You know, it'll, it'll be oh, nice. We'll, we'll hook you up. Benak, what's that? Oh, oh, if you know, you know. If you know. I've heard of a Benak test. <laughs> I'm on this PCR, but a Benak test. No, I think it's the brand Benax, whatever, whatever, whatever to pop in the purple box. I feel like it's like fucking. What do you box. have? Oh, Binax, 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 Binax. It's like you know how you have like fucking like like uh like Johnny Walker Red, Johnny Walker Blue. And it's like no, this is the this is the this is the high end rapid test, the VIP rapid tests. Yo, that's that's gonna be the next big thing, man. Like, like instead of like celebrities having alcohol brands, they want to have rapid tests. <laughs> I see it. Let's go. I want some Pharrell rapid tests. <laughs> and it'll have like the bad '90s like advertisement wraps to it too. <laughs> I want I want it to come in a wooden box <laughs> with a seal on it. <laughs> I'm ready. Let's go. There's a Jacob the Jeweler like exclusive version that comes out. <laughs> oh man, people. It's it's the apocalypse. But uh but anyway, uh we continue down our recap of the year 2021. You know, good times, bad times, all times in between. We finally hit the opus, the, the thing we've been waiting for, the thing you guys in the streets have been clamoring for. Me and Stone sat, th- sat there scientifically, you know what I'm saying, did our research, went through everything we've listened to, our Spotify playlists, our iTunes playlists. You know, we went to other people's lists, copy and pasted what we thought was good, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> and now we've got this, this, this document, this testimony to the music of 2021. People, I present to you our top albums mm. of the year. That's right. That, that's, that's, you know, it's a, it's 11.30 p.m. on Grammy night, you know, like the last <laughs> category, you, you waited up since like 6 p.m. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to go to another commercial break. <laughs> <laughs> Next up, Dave Grohl, Adele, and Lil Yachty. <laughs> Doing We Are the World, the hip hop mix. <laughs> oh man! Well, uh, let's let's kick this off. Uh, without further ado, let's go. Uh, I'll I'll start off. Sure. Yeah. Um, easy. There's an Australian metal band called Divide Dissolve. Um, two members. One woman, I believe, is native. Native Aborigine. To me, she just looked black. Uh, the other one is a white girl who's a drummer. Um, they dropped this doom metal album called Divide Dissolve. It's basically guitar, violins, um, some spoken word parts. It's fucking flames. Um, long story short, uh, particularly in heavy metal, as you can tell, it's a very white male dominated kind of genre, which used to always confuse me because if anybody's going to be really angry and raging against the world, it'll be black people minorities. Mm. But um, 
this record in particular was really well made, really well done. It kind of sucks because it feels like if they weren't, because I know there was a point in time where they were kind of stuck in limbo, where I guess visas were, because they started blowing up, I believe it was a year and a half ago during COVID. And I think there was a part where they were kind of stuck somewhere and they, they, their tour got fucked up. And it just kind of feels like in another year, they would have kind of got a little bit more like Pitchfork and Indie Block Love and would have been kind of touring. I do know they have a tour planned this year. We'll see how that goes. Shouts to COVID. But uh, either way, it's a really well-made record. That I feel like kind of felt under the radar, but it's just a really nice put together, very, just a really good dark instrumental album. So props to them. And the album is called Gaslit. Cool. I'll, I'll definitely check that out. Um, so the first artist up on my list is Lil Sims. Um, if you know me, you know I always talk about Lil Sims. I tell everybody to listen to Lil Sims. Um, Lil Sims, people should pay me. I'm an ambassador. <laughs> um, it's it's really weird because like I just I would drop her name in a lot of circles and a lot of circles of people who I think are music heads and they're like who? Um, but she put out another album uh, last year uh, called like Sometimes I May Might Be an Introvert. And, you know, I think if you liked her 2019 effort, Gray Area, you will love this. Um, completely different sound. Um, and you could tell, like, she got more money. You could tell she has a studio. <laughs> that glow, uh, baby. You know, <laughs> um, you know, Gray Area is very much like, you know, back alleys of London, grimy, grungy. Um, whereas, you know, sometimes I may be an introvert is um, orca. Like uh, just like has orchestras and lush sounds and just like really like kind of global sounds as well. She's a little Afrobeat, like things like that. Um, and it's just like it's so good to see somebody who I already thought was one of my favorite rappers like level up, switch her sound, um, really kind of double down on what makes her good, but also like apply that to a co- completely different palette. Um, you know, so definitely check her out. Like I. I know she's playing Webster Hall like in New York and that got sold out. So hopefully there's a lot of buzz in terms of um, her name recognition in the States. It's very hard for UK rappers to make a, a name in the States. So um, yeah. I, I think and I think that's a lot, you know, all the people who are like heads who are like, you know, not aware or don't care about her. I think that they're, they have that bias, but um, it's, it's another amazing album and I will definitely support no, dope. It's and and what's cool about Lil Sims is that what I like about what she does is that she's not really you know you can't really pigeonhole her basically. Yeah, it's stuff yeah. where you know she she does well over R and B tracks, something crossover. She would murder a grime track. She does yeah. really well. It's kind of interesting where I feel like, and it's gonna sound weird. I feel like a lot of the current class of 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 MCs are kind of very monofocused. Where it's like I do trap, I do classic stuff. I'm rapping over fucking Griselda beats. I'm doing. She's very very multi talented. So props to her. Definitely. Um, on my end, it's the Bug, and album is called Fire. The Bug is an electronic producer that tends to kind of stay more in the dubby but very aggressive kind of lane. Um, usually a lot of collabs. He dropped this album this year, well, last year, called Fire, where it's kind of interesting to see his genesis because if you hear him talk, basically for like a young like white producer in the UK, a big thing for him was dancehall. So I think he kind of described about how a Capleton track kind of blew mm-hmm. his mind. And, you know, you know, as as a time producers are apt to do, he does stuff where it's like almost trip hop, a lot of angry, aggressive, like, you know, stuff that could be Aphex Twin. 
But with fire, it's a weird return because it's still very like the bass there is kind of dub, let's just say. But it's definitely for heavy industrial angry tinge edge to it. So, uh, I mean, to kind of describe to you, like, what it kind of sounds like. The first the first track is basically about a pandemic, and it, it bleeds into the last track, which is called The Missing, about, the, I think, Grensfeld. I forget the name of those towers in the UK where everybody died yeah. because of the faulty the government, the government council housings. So between yeah. these two records, you basically have, um, you do have More Mother, who's kind of like the one MC, but who's like very much in aggressive mode on something like I've got the literally I've got the Glock on me type shit you repeat mm. over and over again. And you kind of have these rhyme rappers like floating next to let's say like more traditional dancehall artists like Daddy Freddy. But because mm. the bass is still kind of like this really fucked up dub via nine inch nails, it still comes off as this really almost like post-apocalyptic dancehall shit. And I mean, honestly, like it's hard to like if there's anything that was a theme of what was happening in the world, like it's it's kind of interesting because from his perspective, he's like, look, you know, I've been working on these tracks for a while. I had these guys I want to work with. I wanted to do more dancehall stuff, more grime shit. So I reached out to all these fucking names. And then, you know, during the pandemic and everybody kind of sending me back, you know, even though these beats are kind of heavy, everybody started sending me back these really fucking apocalyptic, angry type fucking rants over these beats. And it's just kind of like a... You know, I know during fucking a lot of the fucking stresses of the year, you know, we tended to kind of lean towards, you know, at least me personally, escapism stuff. But like those days where I couldn't get over the fact of the world's fucked up and I want some kind of justice, you know, this record kind of filled that fucking, you know, filled that quota. So, you know, shouts to them, shouts to all the collaborators involved because it's a fucking great record. Word, word. Another another album I got to check out. I am putting that on the list for sure. Oh, bro, wow. play, play, play in the whip. You're going to want to go out there and fucking raid a fucking army tank. It's fucking, but like I said, <laughs> but it's still dub music. That's a crazy thing where if you wow. kind of lower down the fucking bass and maybe made the drums a little bit aggressive and put some echo, you could have like fucking, you know, it, it, it'll be like 80s fucking dub. But for some reason, he just knows how to like hit those levels and this makes it more wow. aggressive. So it's a really good record. That's cool. That's cool. Um, so uh, next on the list for me is uh, Modu Mokhtar, uh, African Victim. Um, this is this album has made a lot of people's best of lists. Um, so Modu Mokhtar is a, I believe that's the name of the guitarist and the lead singer, um, and also the name of the band. Um, they, I, I believe uh, he lives in like Nigeria, but I think he's like Urdu or, or Turag. Um, so I think more of like the desert or nomad culture. Um, and it's just really interesting. Um, I, I wish I knew the lyrics. I, I wish I could uh, understand the lyrics um, before I want, well, I know it's like, it's just a very, um, it's very powerful take on colonial, colonialism and France and kind of like what they're doing to Africa. Um, and, you know, we've already talked about the guitar work on this album. It's really amazing. Um, it has like a very much of a post-punk feel to me or like a, even like a punk music feel to me in terms of just like you don't know what the lyrics say and it's not like screaming at you but you can kind of tell you can almost feel like some of the the frustration and anger and like you know and they're just like channeling that through their music which is really interesting um and it's a cool like album i think it kind of came together like super crazy i think it came together online because some of the producers live in the States and in Europe. So oh, shit. Um, that was kind of like super crazy. 
um, as well. Um, so yeah, no, it's a, it's a cool album, and I'm glad it's getting on these on these lists. Um, you know, I'm really looking forward to like like I want to see this band live. Like I can't wait to see this band live because like that we've already talked about the guitar work. Guitar work is phenomenal. Um, I'm sure that live show is going to be insane, uh, and I'm ready for it. Um, but it's a really cool album, and even if you don't know like the lyrics, like you just like can put the context together with with the music, and I think you can kind of feel the emotion. Oh, so that is great, great, great record. Uh, basically, I've been he's been on my radar for a minute. It's actually another guitarist put me onto him when I first heard about him, and it's just like you said, it's it's something about it where. Maybe, maybe it's that whole, it's the melody, man. It's the diaspora. You know what I'm saying? We all, we all feel that. <laughs> it's just like, even though I don't know what he's saying, I know it has to do with the fucked up list of white people. <laughs> 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 the universal language of black people. But anyway, uh, my record is a, a nice and easy one. Uh, Bruiser Wolf. Long story short, Detroit rapper. Bruiser Brigade is Danny Brown's record label slash collective. He's a dude on there. He's very much an outlier. If I had to describe to you what he sounds like, it's probably a lot like Sugar Free, maybe, maybe, maybe a little bit of uh, Too Short. Very '80s, '90s West Coast sounds. Um, what makes him fascinating is the fact of his perspective, though, because you know that 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 pimp flow usually comes with a lot of bragging and a lot of holes, and I got this and I got that. It's very much micro focused on all I can tell you is just basically like depressed mid-management drug dealing where it's very much <laughs> like he's not on the corner <laughs> yeah he's kind of in the house but he's not that dude so it's like when he's got a song like like a dope fiend's my best friend it's like the dope fiend literally he's not saying it like i got dope fiends on the block he's like no literally my life sucks but the guy i sell drugs to is my best friend you know and it's just kind of this weird like self-deprecating take where it kind of goes obviously because you know a lot of that hip-hop is kind of rooted in kind of almost like a um Ray Dudley Moore Dolomite type kind of snaps so it's definitely a sense of comedy there but what's kind of cool about it is that there's also a sense of like pathos there's a song basically rapped about how his mother was addicted to drugs and like you know that kind of you know he kind of goes between both worlds where you know it's almost self-deprecating kind of humor so it's kind of cool where you know, you've got dude from Detroit. You've got Danny Brown, which is known for all these crazy raps. Detroit is just an MC fucking. You've got like it's these weird two lanes of Detroit where you've got like these hardcore traditional MC rappers. You've got this whole other young Detroit wave where everybody's kind of offbeat, onbeat flowing, and he's just a total outlier between both those things that are popping in Detroit. But it's also very, very unique. So it's kind of cool that you know. Even in like uh, 2021, where everybody kind of has these little rag segments that are kind of already kind of built up, you still have these weird left fields because who would have expected like, you know, somebody kind of just basically channeling sugar free via the press drug dealer from Detroit. So, you know, shots to him. <laughs> wow. That's, uh, that's, I actually, yeah, I need to check that, that out also too. Like that, that seems like a great, like, I don't know, TV show. <laughs> you know? <laughs> no, it's like, it's, it's i would agree <laughs> like it's it seems like a very epic storytelling um wow so on a brighter note <laughs> <laughs> i'm trying to be positive out here <laughs> in these streets um so my next one is is also i, I think a controversial one some people are kind of like really but i'll put it on here and i'll stand by it i'll own it 
uh, Silk Sonic, An Evening with Silk Sonic. Um, this is an album that is, yes, it's derivative. Um, you know, it's very poppy. Um, and, you know, some would say not bringing anything new to the table. Why does it got to be new, Stone? Why does it have to be? That's, I, I, haters. I, I, said, haters. I said some would say. Mm. <laughs> um, having that said, um, I would say all of these songs I like are like live rent free in my head. Like I'm still singing along to like all of the of the choruses, all the hooks, all the things like that. Like, like it is a great pop album. Like in Brill Mars is like one of the best pop minds of our generation. I said it. <laughs> I stand by that. Like he has so many pop hits for the past like 15 years. You know. Um, and it's just like, you know, look, I mean, <laughs> no lie. Like, I, I, like, we, this is like a dope fiend is my friend type of year, <laughs> 2021, you know? Um, but I, I, I'm glad this album exists in a year like 2021 where there's been so many ups and downs. Um, you know, it's just nice to have like an album, like, a, a track like Skate, which is literally just like a skate jam. And like we just need that type of music in our lives, you know. Like, like I, I just feel like it's just it's really good to have like that kind of positive influence. But I, I would just say like the album, even though yes, it's derivative, is very well produced. Um, like you know, uh, Anderson Pac is just a great producer, drummer, and song like composer. Um, Bruno Mars again is great as well. It's a great duo. They work well together. Somebody pointed out too. In their videos, if they're standing, they're both standing. Like if they're like if if uh, Bruno is standing, like like uh, Anderson's not playing the drums. He's standing too. If Bruno's playing an instrument, Anderson's on the drums. Like it's really interesting too to kind of see like they're always equal, even though like on a, on a level like Bruno's way way bigger. But you know, Skate is a great like track. Put on a smile is an amazing track. Like written by Babyface. <laughs> Like, um, leave the door open. It's a great track. Smoking out the window is like the one of the best memes of the of the year. Um, after last night was also a great track. Like with Bootsy, like and yeah, Thunder, like yeah, yeah. There, I mean, there's a lot of just flames on here. Um, and it's a short album, nine tracks, and uh, yeah, there, there, there's no misses in my opinion. So, yeah, I feel like to a certain extent, and I get it. You know, you don't really want artists to kind of give you the same old, same old. But at the same time, not everybody can be Radiohead. You know what I'm saying? Like, we're not all going to go into the fucking cave (laughs) and figure out how to play fucking new sound waves using rocks and twigs. And I I think that nobody, we we got what we expected. Like, I think if you thought that they were going to go in there and come out of this fucking futuristic EDM album, you'd be solely mistaken. You know, I, I think that it was very evident what the mission statement was. And it was mission accomplished. Like, they understood the assignment. And I, and I, and like I said, I liked it. It's, you know, Going back to the idea of we listen to a lot of different things, and I think there's nothing wrong with listening to like a a nice little soulful album that you know low stakes. It's just like this is it. This is relaxing. There's some shit to play in the car. There's some shit you can play in the barbecue. There's some shit you can play at family get-togethers. I it's and I think that going back to the idea of Bruno Mars and Anderson Pack, I think we forget how hard it is to write a good pop song. There's yeah. a reason why you have these song camps and throwing songs out there and yada, yada, yada. It's a very, very hard talent. 
And I think that, you know, we need to kind of give people their due where, yeah, it's, it's, I won't say it's easy, but yeah, anybody could go out there and, you know, go sample fucking whales and fucking put it through fucking computer AI and put an 808 behind it and all this crazy experimental shit. But, you know, at the end of the day, what kind of sticks of us are the jingles, the great melodies, the simple things. And like I said, I can't get mad at these two dudes because you knew exactly what you were going to get when they had that performance a year ago, you know what I'm saying? On the Grammys. So and, and they delivered. So it was just like, you know, for props to them. True. Um, let's see. It's hopefully I have something less depressing. Oh, kind of, you know, the armed. All right. So long story short, the armed is a mysterious punk collective, hardcore punk collective from Detroit. Um, one of my favorite bands out there, half of the music, half of the shenanigans. Um, long story short, for years, they would actually update their like Facebook, their social media accounts with the oops, quote unquote band members, where the quote unquote band members were never the same people. So it'd be like, oh, here's Bob <laughs> playing bass. And then like a couple of months later, it's like, here's Steve playing bass. Oh, here's a great singer, Lu- Lucille. And then a couple of months later. So long story short, they've been continuously hiring actors and a lot of weird videos and a lot of subterfuge there. Um, there's a couple of rumors who's behind it. Some 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 big metal producers, but aren't 100% sure. But long story short, mm. let me go backwards. Um, traditionally, they were a hardcore band. Um, the previous record before this one was basically a huge turn for them where they started doing a lot more indie rock stuff without losing that metal edge per se. Um, so you'd have a weird dichotomy where a song might begin with heavy guitars, but they might kind of have this really cool indie indie hook or vice versa. With this album called Ultra Pop, what they've basically done is they've kind of taken these generally, let's say, I won't say Foo Fighters per se, but these generally pop songs and it's put it up to 10. Whereas it's like, you know, if the song has like should call for two guitars, a lead in the rhythm, there's like 10 guitars. If it's supposed to go at X BPM, it goes twice as fast. And it's just a really almost because the thing is, going back to the idea of metal and hardcore and everything else, these are genres where, you know, you're supposed to be wearing black fucking shirts, you know, where it's a lot of dark imagery, a lot of dark talking. It's very fatalistic. It's very nihilistic. It's very dark. What I like about what they're doing, and like I said, because maybe it's the visual elements, is that even when their music was a little bit heavy-handed, it's like they would be like neon and them showing up and everybody's really good looking. And and I know during this album cycle, they were talking about how they were promoting new, like healthy diets. And it was just them like, mm-hmm. oh, lifting up and doing weights. And this is what you, this is this, how you should make a smoothie. And it's the idea, I think that, you know, it's really hard to take yourself seriously when the world's ending. <laughs> yeah. And, and I think that they kind of understood early on, like, hey, you know, we kind of play this aggressive music. It's really kind of dumb for us to go out there and posture and make all this shit. You know, shit is real out here. Let's just have fun with it. And 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 what I like about Ultra Pop is that even though it's within a genre where, you know, generally everybody's kind of very serious and it's all bros and it's mosh bris and, you know, this song is dedicated to everybody who died in a struggle type shit. It's a really fun, uplifting, like, you know, motivation album, you know. And like I said, it's, you know, something where it's very easily replicated in a lot of, you know, there's a lot of Nike commercials built around that. There's a lot of fucking. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I can say, I think we kind of forget where sometimes it's good to have like a really, you know, upbeat, you know, happy life is going to go grand. You know, we're living life. For, you know, it's you want sometimes you want that Subaru ass life. You know what I'm saying? Is it you? It's your significant other. It's the dog. We're driving up to the mountains. We're splashing around. You know what I'm saying? We're just watching sunsets. 
And obviously, not to say that this album captures it, but it kind of captures that feeling of like, hey, you know, we're doing fun shit. And so like, you know, props to that collective, whoever, who, whoever's involved, the actors, actresses, video directors, you know, the, the, the fucking, the, the shenanigan guys, whoever's behind the Kaufman-esque thing they have going on, you know, flowers to you guys. It was really, it, it was well executed on the visuals, on the fucking performances and on the actual music. So props to you guys. That's what's up. Uh, again, an, another album I will definitely check out. Um, <laughs> yeah, we we only have two albums in common <laughs> this year. Uh, I, I'm I, apparently I'm doing all pop shit, and uh, like you are like deep in the underground. Um, I'm, I'm out well, here deep, deep in the in the dark, dank clubs of Club Inside, <laughs> Club Quarantine, <laughs> in the basement room, the basement. <laughs> Oh man! Well, all right. I, I will say this: this next this next album, I, I think it's a uh, it's a little uh, deep on the ground. Um, Jazz is dead. Zero uh, zero six, the sixth version of the Ali Shahid Muhammad and Adrian Young's uh, Jazz is Dead project. Um, got a lot of spins um, for me. Um, you know, essentially, it's I would say like that combination of jazz and hip hop. Um, and each, each for each album, they pair with a different uh, uh, like jazz legend. Um, and Gary Bars is somebody who's interesting. It was like I kind of knew the name, but I didn't really know kind of like who they were because I'm not really following jazz that tight. Um, he used to play in the jazz uh, messengers. He's a saxophonist. Um, but I think like the most interesting thing. Uh, and like the Royal Heirs project with, of this one, I thought I had high hopes for. I wasn't as enthralled. I think with this one, um, they kind of just like let the artists that they feature actually just like play. And they just like let Gary Bars go. This dude's like 81, but he's like playing the sax like nothing else, you know? Awesome. And, and it's just like kind of cool to see that. And it's kind of cool to like to let this person shine. And I think one of the things about this series is like they want like Al Shahid and uh, Adrian want to like partner with uh, jazz legends. Jazz is big right now, like in like the two cities where they still care about jazz. <laughs> Three L.A. You can make the argument LA. for L.A. Oh, too. All right. L.A. L.A. London, Chicago, like you know, like. Uh, New York and maybe I don't know like Tokyo I don't know so like five cities um, and it's kind of cool for me as like a casual fan to be re like introduced to this, this artist and just have this artist like you know literally do what they do best um, and essentially like the producers and the production and, and, and everybody else like steps to the background where I think in some of the other collaborations in this project I think it was more of a the collaboration where you didn't know who was who, whereas this is like, no, we're going to get this like, Gary Bars his time to shine. Um, and I think like, it was just all these tracks are just marked by like really great, like sax solos. So, um, definitely check it out. Um, uh, I, I don't hear anybody talking about this whole series, but I think it's a good series. I don't, I wouldn't say it's a great series, but, um, you know, obviously I, I, I will always like Adrian Young's one of my favorite producers ever. So, um, I'll always check like when I hear uh, his name attached to something, and uh, obviously Ali Shahi Muhammad is, is great as well. So um, you know, definitely check it out. But this one stands out uh, amongst all of them. 
Awesome. No, I want to check it out. Like I, I heard some of the other ones. I, they're all really good albums. I, I think it's because going back to the idea of where they're very much serviceable jazz albums where they're really good, yeah. but they aren't like here's here's a word, his his a violin solo about you know slaves that drowned in fucking eighteen forty three. You know, it's very much like hey, this is what we love. This is jazz, and I think the idea of jazz is dead is, is like you said, is they want to introduce you to the, to the, to the to the genre. It's more of an introduction yeah. kind of work. And yeah, so I kind of want to dip back into this one because this sounds kind of dope. So yeah, no, like props to those dudes. Um, what is on my list? Ah, another certain kind of, I guess. I've, hmm. I was going to say jazz revivalist, but let's just say live black music revivalist in his own way. Pink Sifu. Pink Sifu dropped his record Gumbo. Um, last year he dropped Negro, which is definitely a more punk, harder edged album, but with a lot of experimental corners. Um, with Gumbo, it's kind of like he basically effectively traded a lot of that rock punk edge more for shit. Actually, certainly more Adrian Young, more fucking Ali Shah- Shaheed Mohammed. You know, he's got fucking uh, Georgia and Muldrow on the record. I think two or three right. tracks. It's something. And what's cool about it is that it doesn't necessarily define the records because you definitely have a couple of like Carter edge track song trap songs on there. But mm-hmm. it's just uh, it's it's a uh, ready for this. It's a gumbo sounds. <laughs> yeah. You were waiting for that print one. That. Yeah. Print that. Print that. Print that. Put it. Send that to the printer. Just give me my copyright free. Um, but yeah, no, it's, it's just a dope, really well eclectic album. And I, I know me and you are really big fans of Pink Sifu. What's cool about the record is it kind of captures a lot of what he can do. And I remember, and, I, and I'm going to kind of be a little, little, little shady. I remember he had a, he had a Twitter rant where he's like, hey, you know, don't, don't, don't pitch a homie as an artist. And I feel like a lot of artists kind of say that, where it's like, don't pitch and hold me. But I hate to be that guy. A lot of the motherfuckers deserve to be pitch and hold. You know what I'm saying? At a yeah. certain point, it's just like, you know, again, not everybody everybody is Radiohead. Let's put it to you that way. But what's cool about Pink Sifu is that he kind of pushes the boundaries and different edges, and he does really well with it. Like, like it's And it's fascinating to see that, you know, somebody where he's always got a weird, not a weird, but he's always got this almost classic view of hip-hop and everything else, that it took him time to kind of come back to this kind of sound because he was just doing a whole bunch of weird stuff. And even here in the sound, nobody was really calling up Georgia and Muldrow for fucking, you know, indie hip hop fucking releases. You know what I'm saying? So even yeah. then it's kind of him kind of going against the grain. So as usual, it's the reason why I love the artist. It's another great album in his fucking salvo and, you know, props to him. Yeah, no, definitely. And everybody should be calling up Georgia and Muldrow. Yes. Like, I, I feel like... Bro, if I if I it's it's, a... it's... <laughs> and, and, and it sucks too. She put out an album I think this year was the Joji album this year. Yeah, yeah, and it's just like the the algorithm just doesn't even serve it to me. And like I'm in the target demographic, I just feel like I I kind of miss out on it, and it's a shame. Um, she's like a really amazing producer, um, multi instrumentalist artist. So uh, everybody should be calling her up for sure. Yeah. So um, and yeah, you know, pink, pink seafood is just like it's just so funny because like I feel like we've been talking about this dude for like a few yes, years now, yeah. and it's just like it's so crazy to see the evolution of his career. Um, he's still staying in that lane, but he had that like that crazy concept album like Negro, I think like last year or something like that. Like uh, it's just like it's so amazing to kind of see what he, he puts out, um, and he's still being able to do just be very artistic and creative 
um, you know, while remaining like kind of true to like like his sound, which is is a, another thing that's really hard to do. Yeah. So, props props to him. Props. To yeah. Him. Uh, so the next one on my uh, on my list is uh, Sky Zoo. Uh, Sky Zoo, all the brilliant things. Um, I I wouldn't say it's like. I would say it's a very solid hip hop album, and for me, like when I think about the top ten albums of the year, it's not really albums that are critically acclaimed and have like blah blah blah. It's, it's albums I come back to. It's albums that like get the most spins that are like living in my head that that like I'm that make me think, um, as opposed to like an album that's like you know needs to be on fifty different critics lists, right? Um, and this is an album that. Again, like I don't hear a lot of people talking about, but it's a really interesting album, um, just because it talks directly about gentrification in Bread's Eye, and you know, and like the 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 cover is you know like Sky Zoo like pointing to his son, like I, I guess like this building used to be something, and now that building is like where Lincoln Market is. Um, I felt very guilty going into Lincoln Market the other day, um, but um, but I think. It resonates with me. Number one, Sky Zoo is like probably one of the most underrated rappers, uh, I think, in New York. Um, always has been. Um, but I think this album is, is like just really, you know, production wise. Although I the the one track that samples Kareem Ben, I love and that gets like a lot of spins. Outside of that, production wise, it's okay. But I think like lyrically, it's just like telling the story of a neighborhood that I live in, Bed Stuy, that's going through a lot of changes. That's going through a lot of you know, it has a track "Best Eyes Burning." You know, and, and it's just like it's really interesting to kind of see that happening, um, like in real time. And yeah. you know, Sky Zoo is kind of telling these stories of you know, like Bodega Flowers, like it's like just telling these stories of like real people that live in this neighborhood. Um, and you kind of see the enrichment of like you know other parts of Brooklyn into Best Stuy. And they're kind of taking away a lot of the character and a lot of the things that makes Bed Stuy like, like, um, you know, w- what it is. And, and Sky Zoo is kind of like, you know, going back to being the hood CNN in a lot of ways and just like sitting on the corner and telling these stories. So when you, when you break it down to that, um, it's to me, it's like a great kind of everyman hip hop album. Um, yeah, it's like a hip hop album that I, I feel like doesn't get a lot of shine, a type of hip hop that just doesn't get a lot of shine. Uh, it's East Coast boom bap, but it's also storytelling. Um, it's very localized as well, um, but it's happening in communities all across the country, all around the world, you know. So, um, yeah, props to Sky Zoo. And sadly enough, it's cool to kind of have these records as testaments because Lord knows the world's changing. So at least, you know, somebody it's like we were here, you know, that that idea of just like leaving an artistic statement of what, you know, the, the world has gone by where it won't be forgotten. Yeah. Um, I guess to make it a little bit more upbeat, uh, I have another record I want to nominate, another rock record, uh, Turnstile Glow On. Uh, Turnstile is a punk band from Baltimore. A lot of the members are from that scene, a lot more hardcore, quote-unquote, bands. This one is, uh, they started kind of pivot. Actually, they've always been a little bit more pop-minded. Um, it's an interesting record only because the last couple of years has been a huge pop-punk revival. You know, shouts Travis Barker out here, get in the bag. From every source possible, <laughs> you know what I'm saying. From, <laughs> from Machine Gun Kelly to Willow, Young Thug, Young Thug, Willow Smith, he's just collecting all these bags, and you know, 
props to him. It kind of shows you that it's still a place of rock music. Personally, not my favorite form of the genre, but props to him anyway. But uh, Turnstile dropped this record, uh, and it's just really, really, really great rock record where I felt like, you know, a couple of decades ago, they would just shit these things out like every fucking three or four months, and now it's kind of a big rarity. Um, you've got Blood Orange on this. Uh, you've got Mike Elizondo of uh, 50 Cents in the Club. So as a producer, <laughs> it's, it's, it's something where it's like, and I, and I know the cool kids, particularly in rock music, where we kind of went to the phase of where it's got to be experimental and weird and keeping it real and yada, yada, yada. What I find fascinating with it, this group, and they aren't really the first I've seen it within like um, punk music, but at a certain point, you've kind of proved everything you have. Like you've you've done you've you've slept in the van. You know what I'm saying? You've eaten fucking leftover food. You've you've done this quote unquote punk life, and you've kind of paid your dues. And sometimes you don't want to kind of grow up as a musician. And I don't mean grow up in a negative way because it sounds like as if punk music is is immature and childish. But it's the idea of like, hey, you know, I've learned these instruments. I want to do other things. I want to kind of bring it up. And I think I read a review. I think it might have been Pitchfork where this is an album. This is a punk album. That's not a punk album, but that once that's still a punk album it's like mm. the idea of where it's like hey we come from the genre we want we want punk music in its purest form to be the most predominant form of pop music out there without going 100 percent pop it's just embracing taking what makes the genre fun you know the catharsis behind it the big hooks the big guitar hooks the big sing-song hooks the crowd call and response and applying it to pop music and as a result this is a great pop record and the thing is, in my mind, every I think about it, it, it reminds me a lot of, and you know, shouts to Dave Grohl, but uh, like if Foo Fighters didn't suck, <laughs> 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 like it's it's still the same kind of still crashes that same big rock itch. It's still that same rock songs you can hear matching at a stadium. You can imagine playing at a football game. It still has these really. It's going for like like stadium rock. But it's just done in a way that's really well made by a group of young dudes who know how, who have this really good songwriting fucking potential. So shouts to them. Word, word. Uh, cool. So next one for me is this band called Gabriel's. Um, it's a I, I stumbled on this on this like a little bit late last year, but um, basically Gabriel's are a three piece trio from L.A. Um, they essentially consist of like uh, I think it's like two of the producers are from the UK actually and the lead singer is from Compton um, and essentially it's kind of a mix of kind of 60s R&B and almost like the lead singer kind of has this booming like almost like big band voice Paul it's Robertson very type. like yeah. yeah it's very classic like it's like a classic you know kind of like I'm trying to think of like who like not Dizzy Gillespie or like, you know, but like from that era, it's like, it's a very weird, like melding of like old sounds. And I think the, the, the dude is like fairly young. Um, and these two British producers, um, you know, they have like two EPs, like love and hate in a different time. And their, their latest EP. Um, and it's, it's just a very interesting mix of old R&B new lyrics great vocals and somehow it all works and i think like what really captured me with this these eps are just like they're so different and i feel like you know and i think you know if silk sonic is derivative 
I think this is like, like it's still pulling from an era, but it does not sound derivative at all. It like sounds new and fresh and just like really kind of just incredible. Uh, Bloodline is one of my favorite album, like uh, songs of, of last year. It's this crazy, almost like bluesy. Like I, I feel like there needs to be crackles from a record on that track. Like it's just like super like old sounding, but um, again, like all the things are kind of, just about like <laughs> adultery and like your modern like sexual type things, um, but yeah, no, it's, it's a really interesting take, uh, and it's one of those things too where um, all they did was drop two EPs, so it's also just kind of like it makes you kind of want more, and a lot of things, and you know, like just just crazy way, almost like salt, where it's like. You kind of like knew them, but you didn't know them. And it's like, I, I want more. And they only give you like, you know, three songs in this era where people drop like 25 songs. Yeah. You know? And I'm just like, man, I, I, I want more. I want to see, again, it's another like band I want to see live. I want him to, this dude to hit these high notes <laughs> live. And like, you know, I want to go crazy and start clapping for that. Um, but yeah, it's, it's like one of the most unique projects I think I've heard. Um, all of last year and um, you know they're, they're already kind of maybe getting some industry plant like uh, status because Elton John is backing them and uh. Uh, you know since they're all, like the two of the producers in the UK like they're getting a lot of spins on BBC you know so they're already getting those like you know uh, Elton's like, ahead uh, though Elton be out shines. here going back to the idea of in, in club quarantine Elton be in the basements Elton be out in the streets Elton be El- Elton Elton's out here, yeah. yeah like Elton, Elton's like co-signed some like some acts. I'm like, oh shit, like yeah, Elton yo. be out here. He, he be hanging out in the <laughs> factory and shit, smoking his little you know cigarettes outside. Elton be out in, in a popular rhinestone jacket. You know what I'm saying? But he be out here chilling. Yeah. yeah you know? So, um, so yeah, no, definitely check them out. Um, I like I said, the most unique thing I've heard um, in a while, and I can't wait to hear more. Uh, on mine, I skipped this one because I want to go too dark. Uh, Alchemist has had a fantastic run these last couple of years. A run we probably should just dedicate a couple of podcasts to. Um, his current project has been uh, working a lot with Boldy James. Boldy James, a Detroit rapper, very stone faced, very matter of fact MC, very dark, very nihilistic, similar to the Rest in Peace Prodigy. Um, they dropped a record called Boldy James um, this year. Uh, dropped that and an EP. They actually had a previous record a couple of years ago. I forget the name of it on the top of my head. But with uh, Bo Jackson, this record, it's, I think that with the exception of Tyler, was probably my favorite rap record of the year. Um, going back to the idea of not reinventing the wheel, you've got Alchemist giving these really dark, almost psychedelic beats um, that are a little trippy. You've got Bully James giving you very matter-of-fact you know, fucking stories of just how how much it sucks to be a drug dealer and the things he has to go through. And it is, it's just from beginning to end, just really, really, really well made. It's one of the records where it, if it ends, I just loop from right from the beginning again. And I mean, for me, what kind of stuck with it is the idea of where in general, they're not mining anything new, like, you know, street drug raps aren't anything kind of unique as far as drama is concerned. We're decades into it. But there's something about how they're just working on such a high-ass level. It's just great. And also, I think that 
on the low, Boldy James kind of gets a lot of props for, you know, being this very, you know, fucking steely-eyed rapper. I think he doesn't get the props he deserves as an MC because a lot mm. of things he does here with rhyme scheme wise, where it's not like there's hooks. It's like, he'll kind of rap. And then sadly enough, the only thing I can think of is, uh, and it's going to sound a weird comparison. Cause I know Uzi for did this a couple of times. I think it was silly watch where it's just like, you know, he'll start his fucking, I can't even say 16, probably like 32 bars. He'll say a sentence or he'll, the hook will be like maybe four bars in between. He'll start a whole new set of bars and come back to those four, those four bars and have it work perfectly. So it's almost like this weird recursive type fucking, you know, it was this relentless rapping. And the thing is because he's not doing it in a very showy fashion because he's not doing it in double time because it is mm-hmm. very dark street tales. Very matter of fact, you kind of forget what's happening there. Pen wise and, and verbal wise, where it's just like two minutes, three minutes of this hard at very high level rapping, you know, just straight through. And I, and I think that you just have them both working at a really high level producer and MC. And, you know, you always want to hear that. So yeah, props to them. Cool, cool. Um, so um, next one on my list, also in the hip hop vein, is uh, Makami "Pray for Haiti." Um, also a album that got on a lot of people's uh, best of lists. Um, and I, I will say this: I, I, I feel like I like Makami. You know, used to be a part of Griselda Records. Griselda Records now is, is kind of you know, if you were an old head. <laughs> like myself it's it is like you know the second coming of hip-hop you know everybody talks about griselda um just because it's, it's very much your your old school east coast beats it's it's a collective kind of like wu-tang you know would like, it be the the joiner cruise of hip-hop <laughs> <laughs> you're gonna have people coming for you um <laughs> But uh, and I, I guess like Matt Comey was a member of, of West of um, of um, Griselda, uh, but not like had falling out. But like West Side Gun came back and like now they're cool. He West Side Gun produced this album. Um, but I will say this: I I feel like this is not a, a Griselda hip hop album. Um, I feel like this is a very interesting concept album. I feel like you know Matt Comey is not an artist I really like was checking for um to be honest but like i think the the injection of like you know the haitian creole conversations and just like some of the skits and some of the like um that texture i think gives this album like a very interesting kind of footprint in terms of just like where it stands um and i think i i have to reward that you know i I think it's a very unique um like hip hop album, I think it's just like a very interesting. I think like Makami is just like really, um, it's a really interesting story storyteller. Um, and I think like you know I like the cadence that he he possesses. Um, and it's an album I I've started to come back to. Um, so I I I, I definitely am putting this on the, on my list. Um, and I see why it's it's on a lot of people's lists. Um, surprisingly, not on Reg's list. Reg's I'm, list. I'm, I'm, I'm failing, failing my Haitian diaspora brother. Uh, it's cuz stone I I have this other Mac homie products I like a little better you know I'll have to go out there in my Mac homie collection you know what I'm saying my my bootleg mp3s and decide which one of it no I mean it's fucking I mean it's 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 been it it didn't make my list but probably barely Uh, going like I agree with everything you said about Mac homie what gets me about Mac homie though is the idea of where like you said it's it's a wider 
lens, a much wider lens than a lot of Griselda stuff, but it's still the same kind of like narration happening. So it's like, be it mm. he's talking about, you know, the situation in Haiti, be it he's talking about corrupt cops, be it he's talking about, you know, finding food to struggle to get, you know, to feed his baby mama or whatever, whatever. It's all kind of the same kind of like line. And it's kind of interesting to kind of see him kind of work because he's a really, really, really good MC. And I think that, uh, Hip hop is weird. Going back to a, a joke kind of back before about Little Sims, about how it's not necessarily very worldly. It's very U.S. centric. It's very yeah. focused to what's happening here. I think the reason why Matt Comedy is able to do what he does is that when he raps like in Haitian Creole, when he flips these things, it's still the same kind of shit. It's still like the world's corrupt. It's still us versus them. It's still minorities trying to struggle against the system. And he doesn't do it in a way where it's like, oh, give me a cookie. Give me this. Give me that. It's just like, he's just like, in the streets, you know, he knows his O's in Miami. You know, when he's got to go out there yeah. and buy that brick, he might have to switch the patois over. You know what I'm saying? And like, and, and let me get my little Antifa thing. You know, capitalism is worldwide. So while, you know, there's a lot of regional things and we've got to word biases and this and that, at the end of the day, if hip hop is kind of very common, very people of, music of the people of the oppressed, you know, there's a universality there. And I think what's cool about Makami is that he's able to do it in a very sly way, which doesn't really kind of seem like very showy. It just kind of is what it is. So, you know, always, always huge fan, huge fan of the Haitian brother. <laughs> um, on my end, one more hip hop record, Injury Reserve, by the time I get to Phoenix. Um, I think last time we reviewed this, I was just like, what if Don didn't suck? <laughs> uh, long story short, uh, they were a trio. They lost a member last year while in the beginning of kind of working on this record. They kind of cobbled together, put it, and, you know, basically finish it off. Um, it's, it's obviously, there's a heavy sense of mourning on this record. What's also surprising is before even he passed, they were going to take it a very experimental direction. I think the story was that uh, they were in a club somewhere and maybe didn't have their tracks or a laptop died and they're doing a lot of tracks on the fly and a lot of little freestyle things and this kind of, you know, the show must go on. And during this time, they kind of hit on like an idea of, hey, maybe we should kind of like, you know, bring this music in this kind of new direction. And, you know, during that period of time is when, unfortunately, the brother passed. They kind of cobbled together these songs together and, and, and they kind of, you know, jumped into that same kind of spirit. At the same time, you kind of can't help but realize that, hey, you know, they were a trio. It's not like you like, and I hate to say this, you know, shots to all the drummers out there. It's not like the drummer fucking died. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's an important part of the band. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. I see this as a basis, also disposable. But, um, you know, it's it's kind of telling where, yeah, this album made in mourning, but it's still very experimental, still testimony to the dude. And it is, seems very, very, very heartfelt. And also, it's also different from what they were doing before because with Injury Reserve, I, I'll say, and not to get too much, it feels like there's always like a certain level of like hip-hop star where they're able to kind of tour college campuses and they'll have, you know, if you go to like fucking UPenn, they'll be on the wall and they're able to make a good kind of living around, around that kind of like, you know, that very serviceable you know, early 20s, a little bit more academic, but very fucking not too fucking away from the street kind of hip-hop. And what's cool about this record is this shit is weird as fuck. Pure weird. Glitches, everything else. The producer went OD. It's just nuts. 
but it still kind of gets tied together. And I hate to say this, A, by their talents and B, also by the morning. So kind of going back to the idea of Donda, there's definitely a record that's indebted to 808s and Heartbreaks as far as playing with the synth sounds, playing the experimentation. Definitely indebted to, you know, the idea of kind of hip-hop morning on record. But it's taken it to a lot more interesting places, you know, that you wouldn't expect to see from a band like this where Darlene was a... You know, it's like the um, Amini? Anime was this from um the, the uh, Amine, yeah, Amine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where it's just like you've got that lane, and even he was trying to blow a guy that lane. Like that lane pays, you know what I'm saying? That tech nine lane, yeah. and it's cool to see them literally blow up the fucking formula just to kind of create this art. And that's why I kind of, you know, when I kind of do it head to head with Donda versus this, the reason why it pops up is, you know, and I say this kind of, you know, tongue in cheek because it's two totally different lanes, but it's cool to kind of see like, you know, how they took this idea of mourning to be like, hey, you know, all bets are off. We're doing this from scratch. We're going to kind of reinvent of who we are, where, you know, you can kind of do, you know, a, a lazy hard drive dump, you know, in Calabasas. <laughs> That's like a nice title of a, of a, a album. <laughs> lazy hard lazy drive dump. hard drive dump in Calabasas. That's like a JPEG Mafia <laughs> song or something like that. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> Well, uh, I, I, I am also going to, my last uh, selection is, is a very much experimental hip-hop. Yes. Um, yes, the most experimental of hip-hop. Uh, Adele. <laughs> Actually, don't, don't give her any ideas. That's the thing, though. Like, she probably has a mixtape of her rapping somewhere. She probably has that grime mixtape. And she does have some flows. Like, it's, if you listen like, to some of the songs, there is, I, I, and... And I hate to say like, it, it's probably dope too. It's, it's like yeah. like it, it is on a hard drive in Calabasas. Yeah, <laughs> it's like dead ass. Remember when Brian Benite had that adult mixtape he wanted to put out, where he was singing yeah, like R. Kelly, yeah, but yeah. it was like solid, and we all shamed him, and he's like, he, it never came out. Probably the same thing here. I bet you she has some crazy ass bars we'll never hear. Um, well, listen, this is going to get me kind of kicked out of the barbershop, but I don't, I don't really care. Um, Adele 30, um, it's an album again that I came back to. Uh, I think, you know, I, I see why people love Adele because I think she makes really good music. Um, and I was on Adele when like 19 dropped and, you know, I thought she's always like, she's an artist that pours herself into, like everything, like every like album, every song is all about like some shit she experienced over the past like year, you know. And I think like that's real. And I think that um, to do that at a pop level is, is um, you know, it's a challenge, and it's also something to be rewarded. You know, I think this is probably the most um, visceral of albums because she's literally like, "Yo, I am depressed." <laughs> like I'm still going to do these big booming love songs, but I'm also depressed. I'm divorced. I have a kid. I'm a single mother. I mean, I'm a millionaire, but I'm also like feeling the same things like, you know, everybody else feels. And I, I think, I, I think I was more connected to this album from Adele than her past like two albums, just because it def definitely felt like uh, on that level. I um, mean, also too, I like, I like the fact that she, she switched up the production you know, I, I, I think, you know, some of her pri previous albums were a little bit too kind of like adult contemporary for me. And I think like this album, you know, she worked with Inflow, who, uh, you know, worked with Salt. Uh, she worked with Mac Martin. Like, 
Um, she was able to kind of like craft this really interesting sound that was still in her lane, but definitely pulling in more com- contemporary like hip hop and R and B and you know even like some of the stuff like say like Doja Cat's doing like things like that, like that kind of like laid back R and B um, or like My Little Love that track, like things like that. So um, you know, I I I felt myself my, felt myself coming back to this album, um, and it's just like a very well produced album. Um, you know, you can tell like. It's like going to see a Marvel movie or it's going to see like Dune or something like that. Like you, you could tell like a hundred million dollars <laughs> was put in this album, you know? Um, and yeah, like it's, it's definitely an album that I feel like, uh, you know, a sad girl autumn contender of the year for sure. Yeah, no, I, I love the fact of where it's kind of, it's, it's a continuing odyssey. So where going back to the idea of it's, it's interesting to see an artist become, I don't know how to describe it to you. It's like she's refining her heart over and over again, whereas like she's becoming more and more of herself. So it's kind of interesting to see what like 33 or 35 will sound like. Is it's like yeah. seeing her kind of refine, kind of going back and like, all right, I've got these pieces. How can I tweak it? How can I change it? I've got, you know, I've grown as a musician. I've grown as a person. How can I add to it? So it's kind of fascinating to kind of see her kind of put these out. And I like to grade a critical acclaim. Like it's, it's something, it's, it's, she's, it's one of the few times where it'd be easy to hate on Adele, but you see why she gets the prop she does. Yeah. Yeah, yeah definitely. And now now we're in where we're, we're the two divided brains were separate. Now we hit the point where we meet. These are the <laughs> final two finalists. Not really finalists. You know, our list didn't really have any order, but these are the two artists, the two nominees, where we were just like, ah, these two records we both like. Uh, I will start with, because uh, ladies first, Jasmine Sullivan, Hotels. Um, long story short, Jasmine Sullivan has been somebody who's been killing singing for like a decade plus. Sing a singer, singer, um, just just basically a silent killer as far as vocals are concerned. Um, this year seems to be her year. She had a Super Bowl drop, which was fucking great for her. But I think also she dropped this record where what's fascinating about it is that. You know, there's always been a lane for like female fuckboy, fuck fuck you, fuckboy R&B type shit. Um, what's cool about this record is it kind of falls into that lane per se, but it's also very empowering. It, it looks at sexuality from different angles. It's this, And I think what's cool here is that uh, she uses these skits about women talking about, you know, how what makes them feel like women, what makes them feel like sexual, you know. It's a very real album, and it's almost like a weird, not a weirdo, I hate using the term weird, but it's a, it's an ode to being a black woman, the messy lines and the clean lines at the same time, and it's what I like a lot about this record. On top of, she's just fucking dope. She's a dope singer-songwriter. She's been doing this for a long time. Going back to the idea of Adele, she's somebody where she'll always drop a really high-level record because that's just what she does. She's a musician, musicians. But what's cool about it is kind of hearing her kind of play with the concept album of like, hey, what is black womanhood? What is owning your sexuality? You know, what is like dealing, dating, you know, dating people, you know, tr- trying to find yourself. And I think that it's, again, going back to the idea of Adele, it's something that's been done, but something that's very human and that we always kind of look for new perspectives on. So, you know, props to her because it's, it's kind of cool. Like this was a breakout record as opposed to like, you know, some weird gospel duet or some shit. 
Yeah, definitely. And I, I will say this, you know, that the, the music itself is great. And, um, and I think it's, it's a, it's from an album standpoint, it, it's amazing. But I think from what, what really brings this album home is the actual, for a better word, hotels, right? Like the spoken uh, words where people are just like telling their story and they're, and they're coming from like four different viewpoints, like somebody who's very ashamed of their sexuality, like like not sexuality, but sex life. Some people, someone who's like very empowered by it. And I was like, I don't care. Like, like I, I'm a gold digger, like whatever. Like, and it's just really interesting to kind of like hear all these different v- viewpoints. Cause I don't think we get that spectrum a lot of times um, from, from music, especially not from like R&B and hip hop. And I think it's really interesting too, because it's like you have this R&B template, but you also have this like, you know, it's almost like there's this this, this show I started to watch called like uh, Kevin can go fuck himself, where it's just like, it's like you have like this weird like sitcomy thing, and it's like it's filmed like a sitcom and blah blah, blah and then you cut to like what's actually really happening, <laughs> and everything's dark, <laughs> and the lighting is different, and everybody hates each other, and everybody's trying to kill each other. And it's really interesting to kind of see like that that dichotomy where it's just like we always had women kind of talking about sexuality and empowerment and things like that, but we never like really like, I don't know, like, like it all feels so surface level sometimes where it's like, we never just had somebody like, like put a microphone in front of somebody and have them talk about past relationship, you know, like, like it just like, and how it made them feel like, I don't feel like we've had that in RB in a long time. And I know that's that probably doesn't sell, but I think seeing that and seeing that real like realism and having that being brought in is really interesting. And Jasmine Sullivan, somebody who like she has nothing to lose, like she's not like, you know, she's popular, but like you know she's not going to be Beyonce in a lot of ways. Um, so why chase that? Um, so but, but pause. You know, why not do this? Now, the, the, those those tickets are going quick though. I wanted to buy them King Theater tickets. Them just sold two seconds. <laughs> well, yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I mean, but, you know, but like Beyonce playing Barclays though. True, you know? true, true. But <laughs> but, I'm, but I'm just saying, like, in the fact of like she has the the space and, and, and comfort to make this concept album. True, true. Um, and the fact that she executed on it like brilliantly is great. And the fact that it's being critically acclaimed and Grammy nominated. Um, and like you know, in you know, being well received uh, is amazing. So like, props to her. Yeah, no, it's it, it, and go back to your idea. Like, yeah, it's 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 cool to see her like take the opportunity to kind of sit back and create this little. I can't even say experimental album because it sounds weird, but it's like it's because like you said, it's it's very weird where we don't really have a lens to kind of like femininity and and, and the trials and tribulations. It's, it's always very almost like like. Like it's like maybe go back to Kevin Cook fuck himself sitcomy. It's like he cheated on me, so I feel sad. This and this, you know. Oh, this girl's a hoe. This girl's very much boxing. It's like I said. It's what's cool about this record is the idea of where it's just messy, but it's real and they're yeah. messing it. So you know, props to her. And uh, the last one, I feel like we talked about this record a lot. I'm sick of this record. <laughs> I would say Tyler the Creator, fuck you, but Dad probably turned him on. Uh, but yeah, uh, Tyler Creator. Uh, you heard about this young dude, um, young aspiring rapper, young aspiring hip hopper, you know, uh, decided to drop a record for uh, that had the, that had the hip hopity stuff, you know, he's a well known synth singer, you know, R nouveau R and B. They still call it rap. They still they still give him the rap award. <laughs> 
But uh, all right. Long story short, we've 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 been following Tyler for a minute. I remember I saw the first offer to show in fucking it, it Santos Party House years ago. Oh, where you were at the Santos show? I was at the Santos show. That's a, a OG. Oh, our future Wolfgang Kilm, all whatever acronyms gang is. And it's been cool to kind of see him kind of start off from like this very angry rap to very, you know, Neptune's indebted, you know, crossover hip hop production into a much more experimental, like, you know, like almost indie 80 synth driven fucking lane. And I kind of come back to, and going back to the idea, I think, of comfort food, how we've been looking for things that kind of remind us of simpler times. Regular old-ass hip-hop is Tyler talking about how he's got a lot of cool-ass shit and how he's a dope rapper over a lot of sample beats. You know what I'm saying? We're fucking DJ drama screaming over the traps just like it was in fucking 15 years ago before we had COVID. Before fucking, you know, back when you, back when all we had to worry about was Middle East getting bombed. Remember those days, those simple days? <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it's it's cool going back to the idea of where, you know, it's obviously Tyler's love letter to hip hop. I think it was very poignant when he won that BET award. And he was basically saying, hey, you know, effectively giving an award to hip hop saying, hey, we fought this, this hip hop shit. You know, we wouldn't be able to feed our, 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 our families. And he had a word ovation because of it's, it's fact. So you kind of see that this is kind of Tyler's ode to the music kind of made him. So I think that for, at least for me, it was kind of comforting to hear a dude rap over grave, dig- dig- grave digger samples about how swagged out he has. So, you know. Yeah, no, definitely. And look, we, we've talked this album to death, so I, I don't know how much more I can say about this album. But I mean, for me, I, I feel like... I'm always going to resonate with some, something where they, they look at the template and they're like, okay, cool. I'm going to fuck this template up. Right. Like he, you know, he looked at like a DJ drama mixtape. Right. And like, that's, I wouldn't say a traditional hip hop mixtape, but you know, they, they, they could sound all the same. Right. But he applies his template and his tolerance to that. Um, and just like, I, there's a lot of people who just didn't like, you know, the fact of like all of the abrupt, like, you know, scene changes and things like that. But that's kind of what Tyler is, you know, like, uh, I, I feel like he's just like that dude. And for me, I, I'm just like, the production's amazing. Um, Tyler rapping, Tyler rap circles around like so many different people, um, you know, like given the, the venue, he'll, he'll just do it. Um, and, and, you know, it's also, again, like, you know, it's crazy to have somebody who is at, at that level who says, you know what, I made this really experimental concept R&B album. I'm now going to do this a, a weird experimental concept hip hop album. Um, and you're going to love it because you love Tyler, the creator. And, you know, for me, he was right, you know, and, and I think like, like everything from the aesthetics, like the Wes Anderson, like aesthetic as well, was really interesting. Um, you know, I, I just think that like, I, I'm always going to reward somebody that's kind of like taking things to the next level. And, and Tyler continuously does that, which is just amazing to see. Yeah, no, it, he's, it's the one thing about Tyler is that he'll always be interesting and he'll always zig when he should zag. And like I said, it's, it's something where I don't think we thought he would drop such a 
such a traditional, untraditional hip hop record. Because it's the idea yeah. of where, like, nobody was really pining for the. I mean, I was, because I like free music, but nobody was really pining for the days of <laughs> DD drama and Trapaholics. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's a very niche type of hip hop fan. A hip hop fan, which arguably isn't his base. Like, when those tapes were popping, those little kids were into, you know, fuck school type shit. And so fucking, I, like, it's kind of cool for him to kind of bring, say, hey, this is what I was growing up to while we we're saying, you know, fuck school. Like, this is the hip hop yeah. shit. This is the mixtape shit. You kids might not know, but this is special to me. This era is special to me. You have Wayne rapping on there. It's, it's a cool little bow to it. So, you know, it's nice to kind of hear, like I said, like, I guess it's nice to hear hip hop come home. Like, like at the end of the day, and I, and both of us are kind of the same, I think. I think we both dabble to the genres. We both have very wide tastes. We both love certain things. But at the end of the day, we grew up on this hip hop shit. And it's cool to hear dope hip hop shit. And it's cool to hear MCs appreciating dope hip hop shit. So, you know, props to him. Word. Yeah. Word. And uh, on that note, we're about to head out. You know what I'm saying? We've got a new VIP plus two package for the COVID line. In addition to bottle service, in addition to the test, we also provide, ready for this tone, ready for this genius idea? What's up? Handkerchiefs. That's right. Ooh. Bespoke Gucci handkerchiefs. You know what I'm saying? Ooh. Monogrammed with your name on it. You know what I'm saying? Nice, pretty, silky, you know? When you're coughing up the consumption blood, you know, after that lung. <sighs> I don't know. It's, it's, that was a morbid joke. Look, I, I, I feel like all this stuff, stuff is fair game. Like, hand sanitizer, N95 masks. Like, where are you at? Like, Prada, Balenciaga? Like... Oh, yeah, true. <laughs> that's... It's... it's if if Because one thing that used to always kind of get me is when you have, like, these bespoke, like, you know, here's a, has an Apple iWatch. Here's a fucking yeah. phone. And it's like, what, for 20 grand? And it's like, well, you know, if, you've, if you're intricate, if you got it. If you're able to kind of throw that money away on an object that'll be obsolete in, like, two years, why not? Perhaps the t- maybe perhaps that's the ultimate flex now. You know, like like Sean Sean John is back apparently. Like Diddy got his name back, so like Sean John apparel, like like you know, like do a '90s run. Tommy Hill figure, like yo, the sky's the limit, man. The sky's the limit. <laughs> uh, on a positive note, get your boosters out there, you bastard. So we not, you know what I'm saying? So we're not. These jokes don't matter to you, you know what I'm saying? Take care of yourselves. Take care of your loved ones. Stay indoors. Stay inside. It's cold anyway. It's winter anyway. Stay inside so you can be outside in a month or two once it gets a little warmer.